Welcome to this week's episode of the Comeback Girl podcast. My guest this week, operatic singer and MBA student Lucy Choi. Lucy started out life as a pianist first and foremost, but early on in her music degree due to illness, she was forced to become a voice student. Listen here to how she turned that tremendous disappointment around into a passion, a charity and a movement. And to top it all off, she's going to sing for us. My big takeaway from Lucy and one of the reasons that I just love doing this interview series for the podcast is that she's such a believer in there being no shame and admitting you're not knowledgeable enough. I'm a firm believer in this. The adventure you deserve in life only comes from admitting you don't know stuff and going after the learning. I picked Lucy up at a TEDx meeting where she, in her capacity as an MBA student at London Business School, was presenting on resilience, a quality that we women in the workforce need and usually find a wealth of as we tread the career journey. Enjoy my interview with Lucy. start with the story of Lucy and your going from high school into your degree mm. and you selected a musical degree yes and majoring in piano yes and you got quite far down the track with your degree well it was actually I just started for six months then okay. I my, my 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 arm started to hurt okay I think when, when I was in my high school time, I felt like I was quite established mm. and, you know, As playing in school and, yeah, yeah. you know, teachers really like, you know, appointing me to, to play for them, things like that. But to me, it's more like my piano or my music has always been my best friend. Mm. So I just like it. I like to do it. When I was in high school, I didn't even thought about studying music. Mm. It just comes naturally. So your arm started to hurt, and the way you're going to get through your degree is by continuing to master the piano, but that seems like it's going to be impossible. That was absolutely impossible. It was so painful. Like I couldn't even hold a pen. I still remember I couldn't write notes when I was having lecture, and I was like, you know, using my one finger to punch on the yeah. computer. And uh, it hurts at night too, like before I go to sleep, I have to massage myself every night for like half an hour before I go to bed. It seems at that point that I have no hope to recover because it has been so painful. And I did try all the kind of therapists I could, because in Hong Kong we can try acupuncture, alternative Chinese and a physiotherapist. I went to all. Every week I just run through different clinics. And uh, sometimes it gets better, sometimes it doesn't. But I think the only solution all the doctors told me was like, you have to rest, no matter how long it takes. So I could just, yeah, rest. At what point did you think that piano's looking pretty unlikely? When I first started to feel the pain, I told my piano teacher. He's also um, one of the professors in our school. Lucky enough, I had him. So after a few months, I told him, like, I don't think I can do it anymore because it's so painful. And then he said, right, then we have to find a solution for you. I think he tries 
very hard to keep me as a music student. Mm. So he was suggesting like, can you sing? Because this is the only thing which doesn't require your hands. And then I was like, okay. I have always been trying to sing at home. And I really like, you know, Broadway musicals and pop songs. But I have no idea whether I can sing, you know, what's required to be a voice student. And uh, there's like a lowest um, margin to be a music student. You have to pass the grade 8 exam of the Royal School mm -hmm. of Music. Mm -hmm. Basically, he just said, start singing now and get that exam done as soon as possible. All of the exams to get you to grade 8? Well, you can jump to grade 8 from the start. So I spent around nine months to get there. Okay. So I did pass my grade exam in nine months from zero. And it was uh, quite an experience. What was going through your mind? What spurred you on? I don't think I have a lot of time or space to think. Also because at that time, my beloved grandpa was really ill. Every day I was trying to either go to see him in the hospital or trying to finish my schoolwork. When things have to happen, it has to happen. So I just have to cope with it. And when my voice teacher say like, okay, study these songs, because there are a lot of different elements involved in operatic singing. It's not only the music, there's like the text. And it's in Italian, in German, in French. Mm. And just to get those dictions right, it's like, drive me nuts. So I also spend a lot of time trying to find people who can speak in those languages to teach me like, how to read those words, at least to make it sound right. And uh, try to read through the English translation and then have to study the opera history. I think because of my love to music, I always like doing this stuff, but it's just under a lot of pressure. Yeah. I and mean, I'm guessing at this point you're not living the typical student life and getting up at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, having a tin of beans, going to a lecture, then going to the pub. It's a there's a little bit more <laughs> work going into this period of time. As a pianist, um, we spent a lot of time practicing. Yeah. Like two, three hours is like normal as yes. a piano student. But singing, you, you can't really sing two, three hours every day. No. You can maximum around an hour, I would say. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the time, like, is you prepare, like you study the music and the story and everything, history. So at that time, I was uh, spending a lot of time to watch DVDs of operas. So I would spend a lot of time sitting in our school library to take out operas I've never heard before just to see what's it about. Like, if I'm going to sing a role in Mozart's opera, what it should be like, or well, why is she doing that? Why at that point she's singing that aria? What's on her mind? What's her emotions? I'm really lucky that uh, I have lovely classmates who are already very into opera, and they would throw me CDs, like 10 of these CDs, like listen to them. Like Janet Baker, she's very good at singing something, you have to listen to this. Okay, she's very good at singing baroque music, listen to this. So I was like, I have like a playlist mm -hmm. you know, of CDs that I have to listen through. At first, it was not very uh, pleasant. I just feel like I have to listen because I have the to grunge. understand. But then more and more, like, oh, now I understand why Pavarotti is the tenor. After I compared 10 singers singing one aria, I know, oh, okay, that singer took a breath at that point, that singer, like, hold that note for longer, and that's why it's amazing. So I was being pushed and pressured to learn very quickly, but I also enjoyed these treasures 
and knowledge. So when I look back, it is actually a big blessing in life. So how did you finish up at university? Well, basically, I just passed term by term. I didn't get A, but it's okay to get a B. <laughs> I it's, passed, yes. It's really okay to get a B. And you told me before about what one of your teachers said to you when you were learning to use your body as an instrument when you'd been used to having the piano as your instrument. Can you tell us what they said? Right. So actually, apart from piano, I've learned quite a lot of instruments, like accordion or violin, but they are all instruments physically, mm -hmm. an object outside my body. Um, and sometimes I must say, um, I cheat when I play on the piano. Sometimes the finger, they, they just move by themselves, you know, it's muscle mm -hmm. memories. Mm -hmm. And I can, you know, dreaming about something else. Yeah. Think about, oh, what should I eat later? But in singing, I have to be so concentrated mm -hmm. because it's all inside mm -hmm. and it's instant. It's straight from my heart. Yes. And uh, I must say, professional opera singers, they don't have to consider a lot about techniques where they sing. Sure. But to me, I still have to think, okay, my, my high notes is coming. I have to prepare for the high notes. Mm -hmm. And okay, this is a long phrase. I have to prepare my support. So um, apart from singing the words, my mind is always thinking about oh, what is the next phrase, what is the next phrase, what's coming next. And because I am singing a role, basically, if I'm singing like opera arias, I still think about, ah, oh, what's that person actually thinking in the opera? Why is she so upset? Or why is she so happy? Was she in love? Was she in pain? So it's another layer of thinking like to bring out those emotions. And basically learning all this in singing helped me to um, interpret other music. Because my hand did recover, mm. <laughs> that's a lot of people ask me what happened next. So after taking a rest for almost one and a half year, it did recover like 90 something percent. And I did go back to my piano teacher and continue. And I did finish another piano diploma. And I still remember I was being introduced to another really good teacher and she asked, oh, your hand technically are not very secure, maybe because you have rest for so long, but musically you are quite mature. You can make music really lyrical and you know where to breathe. And she thinks it's because you have been singing. So in learning singing, it also helped me to improve how I play other instruments today. And didn't one of your teachers say, I wish I could cut myself in half? Right, right. Just to show you. Right, so I had a very tough voice teacher in the uni days. Um, sometimes she is very angry. <laughs> and she said, stop singing, it's so bad. Like, like where's your support? Um, and the thing is, like, the more scared I got, the less support I could get, too. So, yes. and then she would say, okay, stop singing, like, I cannot cut myself apart to show you how you should coordinate your inside. <laughs> but you have to coordinate, you have to figure out, you have to figure out how you connect your, your tummy and your vocal cord and your mind and the role. It seems to be a bit lame as a teacher, like if you imagine you are a teacher and then you say to your student like, imagine, yes. but how? Yeah. 
that's actually a very tricky point about learning singing. But I, I must say, to be fair, it's very hard to be a voice teacher too, because some people they got it very naturally. Yes. Like like her, like she was quite an established opera singer when she was in uni already, so maybe she couldn't even understand my pain just to figure out where my support is. So I still remember it took me around six months to figure out where my support is, and it's hard to to explain how you move your salt palate or your your jaw bones and your lips, because some people they just manage to have it. So um, this is really a journey that I explore myself. I re- I really had no idea. I remember learning singing in school and being taught that I had a diaphragm. <laughs> yes. And then that was the end of it. Mm. But all of these other parts mm. of your body that you need to employ. Yes. That's quite something else. So, if we come up to the current day, and I find you standing in front of a couple of hundred people in a London Business School TEDx hmm. address. So you're talking for 18 minutes about your experience, yes. and um, you're blowing everyone's mind because you also sang to them. Can you tell us a little bit about the story from coming out of university, being now an operatic singer and a pianist? It's led on to a number of other things. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So it has been 10 years, so a lot happened. But because I encountered opera, when my hand got injured, I fell in love with it, mm-hmm. and then I moved to London to uh, did my first master degree. And I must say, people in London may not realize, but this is the heaven for classical mm-hmm. music lovers. Every week, at least twice, I go to either opera or piano recital or chamber music or like theater or you know, and art is all connected really. And at that point, oh. Also very lucky that I was uh, doing an internship at the Barbican Centre. So I felt I was super lucky to saw these classical music stars every night in front of my eyes. Because at those days there were no YouTube, so I had like CDs, of piles of CDs yeah. of these people. And then it's a magic moment that I realised, oh, these people are people. They are not a sound in my CD. Like they smoke and drink coffee in front of yeah. me. So that was like, this is my dream. This is my dream to, uh, to serve musicians and to bring the best musician to anyone, especially people around my age, because young people, they don't get connected a lot with classical music and opera. So like a dream emerged in my head. It's like, I really want to make cool concerts. And uh, so I graduated. My family do have a business and uh, they need me to help them at that time. Quite frustrated, but I have to go back to Hong Kong for a few years doing trading. (laughs) Well, but this is life, right? You have to, you know, (laughs) my parents have paid me for so long, so I have to do something for them. Um, But I never gave up that dream. When I was working for them, I was still joining opera chorus. Uh, I have been started singing in opera chorus since I was in uni. So I continue it because I always feel like I have to keep the network. I have to make people to you know, remember me and you know, I have to know who's the new singers coming in Hong Kong or whatever. I worked for my parents for around three years. 
and then one day I just tell them like I need to quit this is not my life I really cannot continue a business I that's not me of course my my father was you want to work in music are you sure there's a job in music and you can you know provide enough for yourself oh my family they do like heavy construction machinery okay. trading okay. So uh, every day I was looking at like excavators and cranes for yeah. three years. <laughs> yeah. So, but I told them like, no matter what, I don't like excavators. <laughs> I like music. At that point, I was introduced to my former boss. She was super inspiring. She is a Canadian living in Hong Kong, started her own chamber music organization. Mm -hmm. It's simply because she loves chamber music and she thinks that's not enough in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And she got a grant from the government, so she finally she could start hiring full-time people. So I was one of those she first hired. And she gave me so much vision that, you know, when you are really passionate about something, when people look at you and see the fire in your eyes, they got inspired. No matter what yes. you're selling, basically. Yes. Like, who on earth would be selling, you know, chamber music as a cool thing, right? Mm. But she's really inspire a lot of people like in, in big corporates, in the government and bring so much beautiful concerts to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. So I worked with her for three years and I, I'm so inspired. But chamber music is still not my favorite. So I was thinking, is there anything I can do for my favorite, mm -hmm. which is opera? So I resigned from her and decided to come to Europe for two months holiday. And one of my friends who I met earlier in the opera chorus, she's also one of the board of directors of an uh, opera company in Hong Kong. She was like, then we want to hire you. And I was like, oh, I just escaped from one organization. <laughs> and then, but I can give it a go since I have known this opera company for years. But after three months of working in a traditional opera company, mm -hmm. It's not inspiring at all. It's not more than the pressure of selling 2,000 tickets in an opera house is like, how on earth would I ask my friend, like, can you come for four hours? Mm. That's, you know, sure. you may not even enjoy at all. Yeah. So after two and a half months, I told my board of director, I'm so sorry, but I need to resign. This mm. is not me. And she, she's really funny. She said, like, actually, I want to do something new too. Why don't we start something new together? So we both resigned at the same time and started our own opera company, More Than Musical. And tell us a little bit about More Than Musical. So More Than Musical is a registered charity in Hong Kong. We aim to make opera accessible and approachable to the modern society. What does it mean? It means that we have to adapt our opera productions into modern people's lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Like, first it has to be shorter, because I can't get anyone to, to go to a live concert more than the length of a commercial movie anymore. Yeah. So our opera is Especially 90 minutes. Especially not if you're asking them to turn their smartphones off. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then secondly, um, opera has always given an impression of like, big fat women pretending yeah. to be Juliet, right? Mm -hmm. And they can't act and they can't dance. Mm -hmm. But we use really young, especially Asian singers. They look modern, they're in modern clothing, and then we use uh, cell phone laptops during the opera. It's really funny every night when I was in our opera, when um, our soprano pulled up her cell phone and tried texting, everyone started laughing. 
But I think, yeah, that's good. That's the resonance we want to get. And uh, we put it in a very small theatre, so it's close enough to see the facial expression. And you literally can feel the vibration of the body. That's quite a, an experience. And lastly, I think it's the most important to most people is we have a bar. So before the opera starts, people get a drink from the bar. It's quite funny that also many people, they thought the bar is part of the venue. But I say, no, 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 we, we created that. It's part of our show. So during the performance, there are some scenes happen at the bar. And after the show, we open up the bar again. And singers and audience, they just get around. And they took a lot of selfies and then they do hashtag. <laughs> and it's quite amazing. One of my friends, he has never seen any operas. He came to me and said, Huh, this is quite fun. And uh, I really enjoyed it. This is an Italian musical. And it's like, oh, this is a good word to use. <laughs> I love that because um, it's not being precious mm. about the art and its traditions, but it's still honouring of the art. Yes because what you're saying is for the next generation to really enjoy yeah. this art form of operatic singing, this is what we need to do. We need to get devices involved, we need to shorten, we need to have a bar, and we need to have everybody a little bit more involved in the round, as it were, rather than sitting in a kind of sterile theatre for hours on end, getting a sore bum. Yes. And I think a lot of people, they feel, oh, you know, opera is something that's very difficult to understand. Mm -hmm. You have to do pre-study, otherwise you look like an yeah. idiot. Yeah. So to help with that, we have a 10 minutes introduction from our director before the show starts. So he gives the background of the opera and also he gives some sort of guidance about why he makes some of those artistic decisions mm -hmm. so people can be really uh, connected to the show when they watch it. Mm -hmm. People worry about, oh, like, you're singing Italian, I don't understand. So we try to adapt everything they want. Mm -hmm. Like So we started from like uh, having an introduction before each act starts. But then people say, oh, I like line-by-line -line translation, so I can connect with it. So, okay, then we do line-by-line -line translation. So to me, it's more about the interaction I need with the audience. Like, what do you need? What do you mm -hmm. want? How can we make it fun for you? But one thing that we will never compromise is the quality of the show. Beautiful. We always believe that opera or operatic singing is, is so amazing and so beautiful that if you do it right, people will be inspired. And on the other hand, I also have been to shows that I didn't feel very satisfied in opera or in ballet. Mm -hmm. And that experience actually totally destroyed me to go to that art form again. Mm -hmm. So we really want to build high-quality products. I'm now studying business school, right? I'm serving my customer with the best products. Yes. What I heard when you were talking mm -hmm. about your... When you went to the board mm -hmm. and you said, this is not for me, my heart's not in it, I'm not passionate about this. And you were absolutely true to what your passion was. And you shared that with somebody else. And, and there was almost a heart connection yes. there. And she said, actually, I feel similarly. Exactly. This amazing yes. cause was born, which is going to keep us going to the opera. And it makes me realise how important it is for all of us mm. to be absolutely authentic and true to what we really believe in. Because I can see the ripple effect that you just being brave and following your passion 
has had. And now I've had the benefit of sitting in a TEDx, listening to you talk, giving this amazing talk about resilience. Thank and, you. And you've demonstrated such a strength of spirit in, in what you've done. But secondly, all of these digital natives will now have this experience of opera and you are part of a movement that will stop it being a dying art, which is phenomenal to think that little old you, just through being absolutely passionate and true to your passion, has mm -hmm. had a, a contribution to that. So I'm, I'm just so grateful to you. Oh, thank amazing. you very much. I have one more question for you, which is, we talked a little bit before we were recording about how you see the strains of grace almost in, in that experience. It was very difficult at the mm -hmm. time. You found out that you had to separate from your beloved piano, mm. learn this new, this new art form. We were saying it was a personal tragedy, but, but when you look back on that time, you see all of the beauty in it almost. Mm. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah. So when I was in the pain, I could only feel the pain. And it's not only physically, and it's also mentally. To be separated with my very best friend, to me, is my piano. Just looking at it, not being able to touch it is such a pain. My beloved grandpa was very ill at that time too. Usually music is how I release all my, you know, any sort of emotions. It was just a lot of pain and having no control over anything I felt like I owned, mm -hmm. my body my music, that's my identity, that suddenly is lost. I didn't have a lot of space to think too much, honestly. I was just trying to reduce my pain in ways that I can. But when I look back, if I have never had this injury, I will have never be able to start learning singing and opera. And I'm sure because uh, that was a few years of very intense training and learning, that I suddenly learned so much about this new art form from zero, from scratch. And also when I look back, there were many angels around me which accompanied me along the way. Friends who were already very knowledgeable in singing that gave me tons of CDs and DVDs, like say, watch this and watch that, make sure you understand this and that. Also joining opera chorus bring me a lot of good friends too singing together and then you know you're on costume and then you took a lot of pictures and when I look back it's already 10 years and you know Facebook will keep popping up sometimes you know our production picture of Carmen and Manon and La Boheme and La Travietta so when I look back everything is actually a blessing and it's only depend on your mind how you look at it yeah. and because of this experience of starting something completely from scratch mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to learn anything from scratch anymore. You've yeah. done it before, you'll do it again. Exactly. So when, when my father asked me whether you want to go to Japan to study because of their businesses, they trade with the Japanese, I said, yeah, why not? So I go to Tokyo to study a language I've never really understood before. Mm. Doing my MBA is the same. No training or background in business or accounting, but I'm at the finishing line already now. And I come all the way to London Business School to finish this exchange. And so I just feel like when you look at life at a positive mindset, mm. actually challenges, it's really fun. Mm. And it makes your life so much fuller and with much more colors. Yeah. 
yeah, I completely agree. The growth mindset is it, it's hard when you're going through it and you, you know that there's going to be a period where you're in the work and you're up against something. But you have experience now of coming out the other side and, and being so much richer. Another thing I also learned from all these experiences I have no shame to admit I'm not knowledgeable enough to start yeah. with. When I start my MBA class, because a lot of my classmates, they are already, you know, CPA, CFA, yeah. professional people. Yeah. But I learn like accounting 101, right? I don't even know what debit and credit is. So I would just go to the teacher and say like, I am from music. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about accounting. Mm -hmm. Can you give me some extra help? Yes. And I basically did it to every single lecturer and professor. Ask for help. Yes. It's such an important thing. Don't, that's what they're there for. Mm. That's what they're there for. You've got nothing to lose and exactly. everything to gain. Exactly. So I went to, when I knocked to their room and they said, so I'm Lucy, I'm a new student, this is my background, and I need some help. And the first thing is like, then why are you even studying MBA? You're a musician. <laughs> they say, well, but I've paid my tuition already, so better teach me. Mm. They, they gives me so much extra help. That's yeah. incredible. And, yeah. and this is one thing I learned in life, right? Just be open to admit your weakness. Then people always try to help. When you work together, you actually make each other stronger. There are so many lessons in that. For somebody coming back to work who is thinking it's hard to ask for help, right. number one. They don't want to look stupid. Mm -hmm. There can be a fear of rejection you know that it will be a challenging period of your mm -hmm. life because you'll come into the unknown. Yes. And there is a story of having an expectation of a good outcome, mm -hmm. which I think is really important for all of us to be the glass half full people and expect things to work out. Look back on your track record of things going well mm -hmm. and camp out on that right. rather than thinking this is not going to work out for me. Exactly. And what's the worst could happen? If you ask someone, they say no, you, you ask someone else. <laughs> ask someone else. Lucy, you're incredible. How can we find, and I love what you've been saying about London being this... It's, heaven. It's heaven, heaven yes. for the arts. Yes. And we, we, I could do well to remember that when I am running into the supermarket and dashing to the tube and whinging about the rain. I live right. in I live in the Renaissance all over again. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how can we find opera that is bang up to date, probably suffering from a little bit of attention deficit disorder? If you're in London, I do introduce, first is the English National Opera. Mm -hmm. Well, they do it in English and very high quality. It's an easier gap for you to mm -hmm. start. And uh, there's another opera company called the Hampstead Garden Opera. They are having the first performance of this year. I think it's next week. And uh, of course, there's always the Royal Opera House. Yeah. And uh, they do a summer big screen. You can just sit even outside the Royal Opera House to watch a live podcast. I know. Yes. And uh, I must say, in Europe, it's all over with yeah. opera festivals. So yeah. just Google like summer festival opera, like you'll find it anywhere. There's Opera North at the North. There's actually quite, quite many options. And actually, even if you look up the Barbican Center, sometimes yeah. they do opera productions by the Royal Opera House, the new productions. If you are craving for some mm -hmm. sort of live performances, mm -hmm. London can fit you every single evening. Also, look up the churches or like St. Martin's mm -hmm. in the field, West, Westminster yeah. Abbey. They have free lunchtime concerts sometimes, and there's like beautiful choral singing. 
just don't forget you live in the heaven of arts in the world. And museums, museums are all free. Sometimes when I, oh, it's a rainy day, what do I do? I go to VNA or like spend half of the day at the National Gallery. How bad can it be? <laughs> Thank you for reminding us to stay curious. Keep looking, keep asking questions. That's what you've done, and we're all the richer for your efforts and your passion and you following your passion, so thank you. You've thank been you. absolutely delightful to talk to. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure. Love is a song, 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 a